Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Daniel Litch here. This is the last of five of the summer series that ABC Radio has allowed us to put on air and soil all of their listeners' ears. And I want to give a big shout-out to James O'Brien, who offered offer the slot to us and also Jacob Brown who's been producing all of these episodes to make us sound so sweet and so funny so thank you Jake so here it is here's the last irrational fear for ABC Radio summer 2018 2019 on the third stroke the Prime Minister of Australia will be Scott Morrison A rational fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair Dickum, and Section 44. The ABC recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight on Irrational Fear, Canberra records magnitude 3.1 earthquake. Scientists say this happens every time Clive Palmer runs an election. <laughs> and men's rights activist groups are angry about Gillette's anti-toxic masculinity advertisement and vow to stay furious long enough to grow a beard in protest. And as temperature records continue to break week after week after summer... How hot is it? It's so hot that the comedians everywhere are finding it difficult to come up with original metaphors to adequately describe the heat. This is Irrational Fear. <laughs> irrational Fear! What are you playing at? On ABC Radio. Yeah. This is Irrational Fear, the show that tells you what you should be scared of before we crack open the fears. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. We have a man who's pretty much the only Triple J presenter who hasn't joined the Channel 9 Today show. <laughs> it is Lewis Hopper. Yeah, they don't let people with glasses on. I've tried as hard as I can. They just, they've got, they're like, we love everything. You're white, you're a man, but we can't abide the glasses. The first person audition for the Cast Cube had glasses. <laughs> it didn't get very far in the audition. And a woman who is building a huge... Instagram following, riding the coattails of adorable baby. It's Veronica Milsom. Oh, hello. Which is actually what my baby says all the time. Hello. 
<laughs> Isn't this child exploitation, Veronica? Do you it, feel guilty? It, uh, a little bit sometimes. She's better looking than me, though, so I just have to cash in while I can. <laughs> and our final fear monger for tonight is the sensei of satire. It's the profligate prankster, but more often than that on, on this radio station anyway, is <laughs> the calm, considered broadcaster and comedian Chris Taylor. Chris, uh, you do Triple M as well, mm. uh, as well as the ABC. How do you change from one mode to the other? Well, um, <laughs> when I do the ABC, I don't have to pretend I understand rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of commercial radio, we'll be right back with this week's fears right after this message from today's sponsor. G'day. If you're accepting Australian citizenship in a ceremony this year, please politely adhere to the following dress standards. You can wear iron slacks, a smart shirt and sensible shoes. You cannot wear togs, thongs, boardies, flannos, blueies, tracky dacks, akubras or dryzer bones. I repeat, you cannot wear them. If you follow these rules, you'll be an ocker fair dinkum dinky die Aussie like Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Oh, and don't forget, you got to make sure your shoes aren't dirty. Otherwise, you run the risk of having them photoshopped. All Australians were very disappointed about that. Our country is in a hellhole right now. I feel like we need to take some action. A rational fear. But, bitch, I'm scared. On ABC Radio. Now, today marks the start of the definitely not election campaign with Scott Morrison calling a cabinet meeting in Queensland to talk about definitely not election campaign strategy with his team. And opposition leader Bill Shorten starts his nine-day definitely not the election campaign tour of Queensland in his definitely not the election campaign bus. Uh, It's uh, kind of, uh, it's a little bit suspected that this uh, definitely not election campaign will last up to about 100 days until the actual election, which is definitely not called yet for some time in May. So, fearmongers, how can we tell that we're definitely not in election <laughs> campaign mode right now? Well, look, I, I got an immediate uh, sign when I just arrived tonight at the ABC when I saw Anthony Green in the building. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so true! He's a guy who pretty much only works every four years. He's the, he's the I think the official term is cephologist, or for those that don't speak Latin, uh, the election guy who sits on the end of the desk every election night. He's, he's sort of in the building, he's got a smile on his face and a spring in step, so I'm definitely calling an election soon. That's right. He does look excited already. It's a worry when Anthony's looking excited. Annabelle Crabbe's only got two shows on this year. <laughs> She's trying to save some stamina. <laughs> I do love, you know, like, bus is the new thing. Yeah, everyone's you know, got a bus. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a bus. It's almost like the, the oldest, <laughs> most archaic <laughs> form of transport. You know, we're in an, an area where everyone's talking about boring and, you know, Elon Musk old tubes under mountains, and yet... Our two leaders to promote their sort of modern credentials are getting around in a bus, mm. and I'm just sort of always think it's a shame that other elections in the company aren't run on the same grounds. Like at the moment, we've got a very exciting show on Channel Ten called "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here." None of them get the chance to do a bus trip around Africa just to drum up interest and votes to keep them in the jungle. Thankfully, Clive Palmer is building the Titanic 2 for his campaign boat. Oh, good. (laughs) But this is the thing. It does feel like um, Clive Palmer's just constantly on it at the moment. And you do feel like, Clive, just relax and pace yourself. There's a long time yet, mate. Yeah, Yeah. he started out early. He started putting out billboards sometime in December And the guy is not built for a marathon. (laughs) No, but, but you know why he loves election mode because the classic election picture 
opportunity is often calling into a local country pie shop <laughs> and eating a sausage roll and maybe a pasty and a couple of pies while you're there. So he loves election mode because he gets to do that three times a day. Or even better, going to a factory. He's like, this is a pie factory, buddy. Just, I'm just going to stand at the end of this so can buy a belt. He is an off-again, on-again billionaire, Clive Palmer. He dropped off the Forbes rich list sometime in 2014, but he's since returned. He's now worth $1.8 billion and he's going to spend $50 million during this election campaign, which is outspending Liberal and Labor. Now, this is this is just in order to get one seat. Well, you know, Clive, he probably needs two, but he's, he's, he's trying to get at least one. He's got Trump-esque billboards that say, make Australia great. He's got ads on TV and radio. He's spamming thousands of people via text and the texts say, when elected, United Australia Party will ban unsolicited political text messages, which Labor and Liberal have allowed. But there's one kind of... Uh, have, you, have you seen this? Have you seen any mm. other ways Clive Palmer has been um, infiltrating our lives? Yeah, well, I've been getting the text messages and so I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty across everything that Clive's up to now. Do you know, do you know how, how you managed to... How your number managed to get I, into Clive Palmer's I honestly have database? no idea. No, I really... I genuinely don't because no one else... Um, Veronica, you haven't been getting them. No. Every time I get them, I look over and like, is anyone else getting this? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been texting Clive but he never texts back. So. <laughs> Just well, you up. <laughs> it's funny, the other day his his mobile phone ended up on Twitter. Somebody put it on Twitter because it was at the bottom of a press release for some dodgy company he was starting. <laughs> no way. Yeah, well, so. the way I saw that uh, he'd been trying to reach young people apart from text messages was uh, you might have seen that he was one of the songs that he's been campaigning with is Palmer Chameleon, his take oh, on Culture Club's hit Palmer Chameleon. Which first he just of, didn't change chameleon. That's the weird bit, isn't it? <laughs> if you were going to look, think of an animal that represented spineless inability to stand up for anything, you'd choose the chameleon. It's such a weird political totem. Uh, but he, he, so he's put out um, this this game, a, a game for phones. This is not a joke. He put it out, and it's called, I think it's called Clive Palmer Humble Meme Merchant. Right. You can just download it on the App Store, like. I don't know why this exists, but I downloaded it and played it. And uh, here's my review of it. Clive Palmer knows one thing. People love games. Yeah, I love games. That's why he's paid some very unfortunate young game designer to make Palmer Chameleon, a game about a guy who headed a political party famous because everyone in it got fired or quit. Palmer Chameleon is an undeniable addition to the long list of things you can play. Its main point of difference is that it's also an effort to humanise a man who put more than 800 people out of work when his business collapsed and is still in court trying to deny paying workers despite his constant claims he's a billionaire who cares about Australians. So technically, it's fantasy. Continuing Clive's deep love for copyright infringement, his new game is just Super Mario Brothers. 100%. It's crazy he hasn't been sued by Nintendo already. It's like this guy has a fetish for getting sued. Sue me! The graphics are so bad, I can't tell who some of the people you're supposed to be jumping on are. But the game is filled with Clive Palmer billboards, so that part is as lifelike as Red Dead Redemption. I would say the least realistic part is that Clive actually runs. In a way, the game's a good satire of politics because playing it makes you wish you'd never been born. A rational fear.
on the ABC. Your fear is rational. It's because they're communist on ABC Radio. Fear number two, around this time every year, the issue around Australia Day seems to fester away. One side, you have people who acknowledge the date was the beginning of a cultural genocide of the First Nations people of this land. And then on the other side, you have people who've invested too much time and money on convict uniforms and learning how to cook damper. Uh, the change the date movement seems to be gaining momentum as years go by. A poll on the ABC ABC website has it pretty much split down the middle. 46% of people say yes, change the date, and 46.7% of people say no, Aboriginal people haven't suffered enough yet. Uh, however, not all agree that Australians uh, are, are on board. Uh, the IPA have done their own polling. Uh, they've done the polling that suggests three out of four Australians don't want to change the date. But then again, the IPA just... Uh, Ask people in their foyer uh, what they thought. Yeah, who was the fourth person who, who did want to change the date in their foyer? I think it was an Uber Eats driver right. that just rocked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but this polarisation means that this time of year can actually be kind of scary, um, particularly if you're a First Nations person or you appear to support Aboriginal people. A story that's been floating around this week. In Chermside in Brisbane, a lady returned to her car at a shopping centre uh, and allegedly there was a uh, note left on the windscreen that said, I'm going to speak out there spelled incorrectly words here, I'm writing this note because I hit your car. You have an re- Aboriginal sticker on your car so the government probably paid for it out of my taxes. Happy Australia Day. I'm not sorry as well. 2019, One Nation. You'd be pleased to know that Pauline Hanson has condemned the message but not the spelling, which was a real missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, Now, if the date should be changed, what date should it be on? Oof. I mean, as people who work at Triple J, Lewis and I tiptoe around this subject a little, don't we? Yeah, uh, you might have heard that um, there was some kerfuffle with um, the Prime Minister being pretty unhappy when we changed the date of the hottest 100 from the 26th. Why don't we then make it easier for you and move to a less contentious topic? What date should we move Anzac Day to? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's call Yasmin Abdul-Majid and see what she has to say. It's sort of, it is one of those, uh, I mean... I personally believe it should be changed. It's sort of extraordinary that there's people who still cling on to the idea that a date that clearly a percentage of the population, regardless of that percentage size, Mm. if a percentage finds that objectionable, hurtful, insulting... Why wouldn't you just move it to a neutral day? And it's not, and as and it's been said so many times, but the day has very little history or tradition. Mm. Like, it's been on the 26th for a very short period of time. It, across history, it's been on all sorts of different days. It's hopped all over the year. Mm. If For most Australians, I genuinely think if you were to change it, oh, we're doing it on the February the 1st now. Mm. No one cares. Give it a long weekend. Where, where, and... When's a month where we kind of need a public holiday? Because January's already quite front-loaded. I don't, I don't need a holiday in January. I've just had four weeks. Yeah. Like, there's sort of a mid-year lull where we could all do with a Monday off. Queen's birthday's in June. I'm yeah. maybe like in August. In fact, yeah. while we're at it, can we just change every date? Like, for too long, Christmas Day has been the 25th of December, and that is insulting what about... to donkeys and other animals in a manger who were moved out of their manger in their inn what? to make way for a toddler's birth. And, and Christmas Day was set on the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere <laughs> and it's clearly a dismal day. My suggestion, New Year's Day every year, Powerball. We brought, we brought <laughs> all the dates in yeah. and we just go Christmas. Yeah. 25th of 
July. That would be exciting. You know, yeah. It's exciting. We get to see. Although when would you then do Christmas in July? You'd have to do that in December. <laughs> Christmas in December becomes this really novelty niche event. Whenever the hot cross buns come out, everyone would be like, it's too early. Like, when is it anyway? Former Triple J breakfast newsreader and now star of the new lineup on Channel 9's Today Show, Brooke Boney. She also happens to be a proud Gamilaroi woman and she confidently and eloquently laid out her point of view for an audience who probably never really considered a First Nations perspective at all. Can't separate the 26th of January from the fact that my brothers are more likely to go to jail than they are to go to school, or that my little sisters and my mum are more likely to be beaten and raped than anyone else's sisters or mum. And that started from that day. So for me, it's a difficult day and I don't want to celebrate it. The statistics tell us that our lives are harder. And that's not me making it up or saying, woe is me or feel sorry for me, because I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. But what I'm talking to are the statistics. And that's what I said to you mm. about my brothers being more likely to go to jail. Mm. Our lives being harder. And for it, for it not to be an us and them thing, I think that's why we're talking about it changing. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. And this caused so much outrage in kind of other types of media and think pieces online and things like that. But it is just such a, a beautiful and simple and eloquent ask for people to think about a different perspective. And I just think, you know, regardless, I think Brooke on that show is going to be so good for for other people to kind of think about Aboriginal people in a different context rather than uh, the news context that we hear them in usually. I didn't even know that was Brooke because uh, I, I, when I heard that I assumed Richard Wilkins was still in the job. <laughs> uh, like the transition from one to the other has been seamless. I mean, Richard Wilkins gave that speech every year, didn't he? <laughs> I love that Brooke at the end of that said, and I've been wearing the same suit for five days. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Alan Jones had a different take on this whole affair. And that's why I reckon climate change is fake news because I still need to wear a jumper in the cinema. Oh, good on you, Mildred. Hang on the line, we'll get your details and send you out a 20-year commemorative DVD of the Cronulla Race Riot. Oh, there's more than one race that stops the nation. 2GB873. Welcome back to the Alan Jones Breakfast Show. Now, can you believe this? Some woman on the Today Show called into question the very existence of Australia Day. Her name is Brooke Boney. I've never heard of her. Oh, she comes from Triple J, the youth radio station. Oh, gosh. Gee, the Today Show's gone downhill, hasn't it? They used to get me on their show. Now they get these children from Triple J. Who, mind you, moved their hit parade from Australia Day? <laughs> Not like the listeners would know. They're all on drugs. Now, this bony woman says maybe the date should change to reflect when Australia actually became a country, January 1st, 1901, which is the day of federation. Oh, God. Let me tell you something. You wouldn't change the Queen's birthday weekend from the second weekend in June just because Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth was born on the 21st of April. No way. It's too close to Anzac Day. Or what about moving it to Queen Victoria's birthday, May 24th? No, thank you. It's too close to Labor Day. Now, you know very well I don't think Labor should have their own day, but that's beside the point. If this woman knew anything about being Australian, she'd know that public holidays are sacred sites. I mean, where is she from? She doesn't look like she's from here. Now, if you listen to those raving librarians, they'll pull out a book and tell you that before Federation, Australia were just a ragtag group of detention centres. What is more Australian than setting up a prison on an island? Nothing. If the date did move, the only date I would ever consider would be December 13. That's Anthony Kalia's birthday. Oh, what a voice. 
Stay with us after the break. Prime Minister Scott Morrison joins us to give us a list of traits of people we should be scared of. A rational fear. Mexico's going to pay for it. Your fear is rational. I never meant they're going to write out a check. Fear number three, it's been a big week of news for Donald Trump. Just today, news broke on BuzzFeed that Donald Trump told his lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress about the Moscow-Trump Tower deal, which is kind of a a big deal, but not in a Trump big deal kind of way, kind of a a big deal in a lying to Congress kind of way, uh, which is sort of a federal crime. Uh, So this is um, uh, pretty pretty huge. Have you heard about this story today? Yeah. but, I, I mean, you say huge. I say just another day in the Trump administration. <laughs> I mean, if it's Trump doing the lies or he's ordering his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, to do the lies, it's kind of business as usual. He's still fairly untouchable. I guess the difference would be that when it's a lie about Russia, particularly Russian business, it ties into the lies about collusion. We're, we're getting closer to a lie that might actually have an impact. A, a lie Is that, that might- true? Like, it doesn't know... Like, I feel like from the beginning I've been like, oh, it's only a matter of time. This is the worst will-they-won't-they they of any sitcom I've yes. ever watched. <laughs> is he Ross or Rachel? <laughs> I think he's both in this situation. Yeah, with that hair, other- Rachel. Oh. <laughs> so the US government is still shut down. At the time of this airing, the US government will have been shut down for nearly 28 days. There's trash piling up in national parks and TSA officers uh, from the Department of Homeland Security are calling in sick because they can't. They can no longer afford to buy food for their families. Is it a good time to, like, go looting in America right now? Like, are there any police on the streets? Well, this is the thing. The shutdown is for one reason, to build a war on the border. But yeah. the real border is at airports. So he's inadvertently making his borders far less secure and far more porous and vulnerable. So... The shutdown has ramifications inside the White House as well. Earlier this week, uh, as is tradition, the president hosted the winning college football team to dinner at the White House. But because of the shutdown, it wasn't catered by White House caterers. So Donald Trump served these elite athletes (laughs) hundreds of cold burgers, pizzas and fries, which he claims he paid for himself. (laughs) And I don't know, have you seen the photos of this? The photos of this are just extraordinary. He looks like a Batman villain. Mm kind of enticing somebody to dinner. If Donald Trump wanted a more striking visual metaphor for his presidency, he could have done no better. What I loved about it, there's there's obviously one person still left on staff at the White House whose job it was to lay the banquet out. (laughs) And and they're normally used to, you know, putting out the silver service. So they've got all these Big Macs and Wendy's burgers, but still on silver plates. And (laughs) and even the gravy was like putting a gravy boat, but not poured in as a sauce, just the plastic containers were just dumped inside the gravy boat. Silverware. And when he was asked, like, what was his favourite, you know, he said, oh, I like it all. It's all American food. All American food is great food. <laughs> By the way, pizza is not American. <laughs> I think there's this little town called Naples that might have something to say about that. Well, you'll, you'll be very fam- you wouldn't be surprised to say that Taco Bell was not on the list of fast food. <laughs> now, Trump actually claimed he paid for this fast food. Uh, by himself, but uh, would you actually believe he actually went to pick it up by himself as well? I've actually got some leaked audio that I'm going to play for you right now. Mr. President, we're here. Thank you, Secret Santa. <clears throat> it's Secret Service, sir. Welcome to McDonald's. What's your order? Excuse me. Excuse me. Can I finish? I'll have 100 quarter pounders and 100 Big Macs. Oh, and my staff needs something too, so make that double, okay? 200 quarter pounders, 200 Big Macs. Is that all? We're going to need nuggets. Hundreds, no, thousands of nuggets. Largest number of nuggets you've ever seen, okay? Believe me. All right. Also, I like my nuggets like I like my showers. How's that? Golden. 
Do you want any dips, salsa, or sauces with those? No salsa, too spicy, too Mexican. In fact, I don't want to take any chances. Get some hash browns and build a wall around the salsa, okay? I just want good American ketchup. What about sweet and sour sauce? No, nothing from China. China's killing us. Killing us in the trade. That's what my friend says to me. Big guy. Knows a lot about China. He says, you're killing us, Donald. Uh-huh. And I say, so we need a tariff on that sauce is what I'm saying, okay? All right. Do you want any French fries? No French fries. I love Emmanuel Macaroon. Nice guy. He's a nice guy. Sounds like an animal. Macaroon. But he's destroying us on NATO. Really bad deal. All right. Terrible deal. Only American fries. Many, many fries. That's $1,535.99. That's a good deal. Drive through to the next window. Secret Santa, do you have any money? I don't have my wallet. Sir, I haven't been paid in three weeks. Not been paid? You remind me of my taxes. Who's your boss? You can fire him. A rational fear. You still a believer in Santa? Your fear is rational. Smart channel, right? On ABC Radio. So one of the biggest things that people have been sharing on the internet at the moment, particularly on my Facebook, is this new Gillette ad. You guys seen it? Oh, yeah. Yes, all about toxic masculinity. They're trying to do kind of like a rework, a rebrand using the best a man can get, wondering with, you know, the way that men are treating women at the moment, is this the best we can get? It uh, it goes for two minutes. It made me want to punch the wall. It was so long. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I had goosebumps the whole... This is maybe the difference. I feel like every woman I've heard from has had goosebumps right. and has just been like so affected by the ad. <laughs> I thought I was watching one of those, you know, it was like the pitch segment on Gruen where they had to see, like, <laughs> do a really earnest no. ad making men behave better. And it was sort of, it sort of had that tone where it was in capital letters, important ad, so much so I half expected Steve Smith to pop up at the end of it and sort of give a Mia Culpa about the Borg sampling scan. I quite liked it, um, but certainly there were moments of it that were quite clunky that really made you go, oh, yeah, that's right, they're trying to sell me something. But I, when I first saw the story, I saw it in context of I saw um, Gillette, like just a headline that was like toxic masculinity ad enrages viewers, and I was like, oh, they've tried to do this thing that has pissed off like people who actually want toxic masculinity changed. And then I saw it, I was like, oh, no, Piers Morgan hates it. This is probably great. Yeah. (laughs) The the, the sort of baffling paradoxical thing about it all is, you know, Procter & Gamble is a massive multinational company who own Gillette, who are behind this ad. And they've sort of achieved the impossible by getting left-wing woke people to defend Procter and Gamble <laughs> yeah. against sort of these capitalist right-wingers who are outraged by the you know the, the corporation's aim in this ad. I've been angry with Gillette for years because of the price of their of their razors. <laughs> they, they lock you into this thing. We've got to buy twenty-five dollar razors. It's ridiculous. This is, makes me well. This actually didn't make me that angry. I was like, well, actually, maybe I will go back to Gillette. Who knows? Yeah. Well, all the hipsters with the long beards now have to shave their beards <laughs> yes. to support Gillette. <laughs> this is perfect for. Gillette. Gillette are going to sell so many razors because was, because so many people are throwing their razors down the toilet. They're going to have to replace them eventually. It's also such a simple thing. Like at no the word the most like controversial part of the ad is it's like a dad telling his son to like stop fighting. But there's actually no part of the ad that you can pull apart individually and be like that's bad. Yeah. But you know it's just generally people being decent people is kind of the message. Do you actually think any man, you know, these sort of so-called toxic men are actually going to change their buying habits? It's just the sort of thing you write in an angry comment and go, oh, I'll never buy Gillette again. But of course they're going to buy Gillette again. Gillette could make an ad which is just Clementine Ford on loop for half an hour saying (laughs) all men should die and all those dead shits are still buying Gillette razors. (laughs) And I'm just giving an idea to them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you do wonder um, how it'll affect Gillette's ads in the future and whether they'll actually just 
try to appease the people they've upset. At Gillette, we've listened to what you've told us, so we've designed a new razor for the modern stubborn man who hated our last ad, designed specifically for your neckbeard. Introducing the Mac Latham 5. The five-blade technology gives you even more chances to cut yourself off from decent society. The first blade defends your right to be a man. The second blade writes an angry blog post about it. The third blade retweets something Blair Cottrell said, while the fourth blade jumps up and down yelling, but what about toxic femininity? And the fifth blade? Well, it's there to shave all your hair off so you look like the unreasonable skinhead nutjob that you really are. The Mac Latham 5, for the man with ultra-sensitive thin skin. Speaking of backward men, uh, <laughs> know, it's um, Chris Taylor. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, there's some funny royal. Well, funny is subjective, I guess. Um, <laughs> some, some interesting royal news overnight. This is, sorry, you, you should realise this is not just podcast of the Irrational Fear <laughs> podcast. This is going to ABC local all around oh, all around Australia. Um, <laughs> all right, let me start that again. <laughs> One of your favourite people was involved <laughs> in an extremely tragic incident overnight. Uh, no, I don't know if you saw this. Um, Prince Philip, otherwise known as um, the Queen's hubby, yeah. um, was involved in a car crash. Oh, he's my favourite racist Greek. Mm. I know. Oh. He's like, what, 400 years old and he's still driving, God bless him. In, in a way, credit to him after being involved in so many car crash personal incidents <laughs> to actually just have a literal car crash. Yeah. It's very on brand. It was... Um, Apparently he was like driving on his own estate and yet there was still wayward traffic coming in the other direction. I don't know who else is driving at late at night around Sandringham. Well, uh, he's 97 years old. Right. He's still driving. Yeah, he shouldn't be driving. And he was also, he blew 97 on his <laughs> alcohol meter. Look, look no, they did actually breathalyse him, uh, true story, and apparently he passed, but, you know, I'm sure he knows people that could sort of bury those results if need be. But the interesting thing there is... There needs he, to be a royal commission. <laughs> I mean, a royal commission of yeah. whatever he's drinking that we can all celebrate he's still alive. A royal highness, royal <laughs> yeah, commission. Yeah. The the good news is he's okay. The oncoming vehicle, their driver is okay. He did actually make a, uh, a call to emergency services. Um, he dialed triple O. Hello, triple O. Uh, yes, who am I speaking to? You've called triple O. How can I help you? Oh, well, since you're a woman, probably not much at all. I'm sorry. Look, I've just had a ghastly accident, struck head-on by an oncoming car. Asian driver, most likely. And, sir, what is your current position? Well, I'm the Duke of Edinburgh. No, I mean your position in the car. I'm currently upside down, for God's sake. Would never have happened in a horse and carriage. Never once seen a horse flip upside down like this. And believe me, I've tried. And, sir, what is your current condition? Do you have any injuries? Well, I'm not one to boast, but I'm doing much better than Diana when she got hit. So you don't require an ambulance? I bet this whole wretched business ends up in an episode of The Crown. Tawdry Netflix twaddle. So you don't require an ambulance? No, go on, bugger off. Complete waste of time. I should have just rung Tony Abbott. He'll probably give me another knighthood for surviving this whole silly thing. When men make less than women, women generally don't want to marry them. A Rational Fear on ABC Radio. Well, that's it for Rational Fear. Hey. And that's the whole season. That's the whole season. Five of five. Done. We haven't even been cancelled yet, which is great. And we even waited for this episode to get Chris Taylor on, just in case. I'm your kind of cancellation insurance. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to get axed, but you bring me in for the last one. 
to blame me for the accent. I understand. <laughs> there are some things to be scared of next week. Not to be outdone by China successfully growing plants on the moon. Elon Musk wants to grow marijuana on Mars. And North Korea's lead negotiator arrives in Washington, D.C. to arrange the next round of denuclearization negotiations that will be ignored. And ABC Radio ends a Rational Fears summer series claiming that it's not axing the program, it's just that it no longer sparks joy. <laughs> and a Rational Fear is written and presented by Dan Illich, Veronica Milson, Chris Taylor, Lewis Hopper, and Jazz Twemlo. Our producer is Jacob Round, our EP is James O'Brien. You can see a Rational Fear live on stage this year in Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, Adelaide. But until then, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. Bye! This is a rational fear. Things have also ended up a little bit dirty. On the third stroke, the Prime Minister of Australia will be... Scott Morrison. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.